0: Hey, this is Obes. And this is Cha. And you're listening to Run the Play, the podcast that sports, sports, and more sports. Mm-hmm. Football and basketball mainly. But, you know, if there's something crazy going on in the wide world of sports, we'll talk about it. Cha, what do we have up first?
1: First up, we had a crazy weekend in the college football. And when I'm by crazy, I mean boring as hell. Because this was probably one, the worst
0: one, one, one game was interesting.
1: <laughs> one game was interesting we'll get to that later, but this is yes. probably the worst college football weekend I have seen this year. Absolutely. This was like every single game except for the, the prime time game was like terrible. It was terrible. Uncompa- what are your thoughts? We, we we can start with we can start with um we can start with UCF at Cincinnati. That that actually so wasn't I a picked, bad game
0: though. I picked UCF, thinking that they would just have too much for Cincy. My, originally I was going with Cincy because I I spelled out all the reasons why I thought Cincy would win, and I said not nah, UCF. Uh, it turned out I was right. Uh, UCF, excuse me. Cincy's defense is very good coached by former uh, Ohio State defensive coordinator Luke Fickle. In addition to that, strong running game, Michael Warren uh, the second. he's He's been very oh, good all he season. he is nice. He's been very good all season. Oh, he's he's yeah. a real dude. Now, honestly, since he's had a lot of good running backs over quick, the years. Quick okay, side note. Recently had Isaiah Peed. Quick,
1: quick side note because earlier I said this game was good. My bad. I'm looking through my notes. I, I just remembered, no, this game was trash as well. So, But keep going. Keep You can keep going. <laughs>
0: Well, they were just trash because neither team had good quarterback yes, play. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a common theme. Since
0: since 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 he was not able to score the ball effectively <laughs> on offense, what they were able to do is get a defensive score. Mm-hmm. They were able to get some turnovers, and they were able to use short fields. That's really what what allowed them to get the win. It's not like they showed up and like you know with like a dynamic offense and just you know blew UCF off the field with anything like that. Mm-hmm. And UCF, both their quarterbacks are trash. Remember, they started the season with a Notre Dame transfer, mm-hmm. and he 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 didn't make it. He I mean he's still on the team, but I mean, he's you he can't th- if you can't throw. You can't play quarterback. Brandon Winbush, the man's name. I remember Michigan State was recruiting him years ago, and at the time it seemed like it would have been good to get him, but no, it turns out that guy, that man cannot throw the football. So and it's, it's kind of an important thing. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to play in a non-triple uh, option offense, you have to be able to throw, and he can't. Yeah. So the backup that they have, and I think he's either freshman or redshirt freshman. He sucks. Not not making the best decisions at this point in his career at UCF. Uh, so I I expect he'll get better, but he's not there right now. Right now so, he sucks. So yeah, didn't didn't work out in his favor. So yeah, yeah. Uh, since you pulled that one off, the cl- went for Luke Fickle.
1: What I learned because I hadn't really watched UCF play, and so number one, I should not pick teams sight unseen. That's number one. Number because I picked UCF. Number two, I realize UCF is as good as they are because of their defense, and solely because of their defense. Like I, I didn't. Like obviously, we just talked about the quarterback play. It's not very good. They got they got some running backs. They got, they got good running backs. Uh, but those receivers, man, it just, it's just big slow dudes. Like I wasn't like that, that number thirteen is supposed to be one of the best receivers in the in the eight the American Conference and. Yo, there was one sequence where like three times in a row they went to him and there was three different cornerbacks that they put, um, that, um, since he put on him. And all three of them broke up the um play. Like, he was like two like two or three inches tall and in all of them. Like, had like 20 pounds on all of them. And it didn't matter. They just still went up and just knocked the ball away and ripped it out of his hands or whatever. And, you know, on that fourth play, <laughs> a passing play of that particular series, I uh, got picked off. So, I was not impressed by the offense at all. Not impressed by Cincy's offense either outside of—well, no, that's not a lie. That's, that's a lie. I was impressed by everybody except for the quarterback. Like, I could see just the whole receiving core and the running back just getting frustrated with the quarterback. Because these receivers were running butt-naked open. Like, they were getting open. And the quarterback was just not hitting them. Like, they, like, they was getting pissed off. Like, I can tell that they used to this, but they still pissed off at this dude. Like, like they, Cincinnati is literally a quarterback away from being, like, really, really good. That's a lot of teams, actually. That's a, that's a theme this year. A lot of teams are a quarterback away. As long as it's almost like the NFL. Uh, particular people, number 14 is nice on Cincinnati. Uh, I liked he was a quarterback. I liked him. I liked him a lot. He was making some plays. That was dope.
0: Quarterback is a, is a difficult position to play, yes. as we all know, yes. a lot of, especially the way the way coaches do it now. They put a lot on the quarterback shoulders to be able to read and react before and during the play. So it's more difficult now than ever to play quarterback. That being said, you got to hit open receivers. I, I think I, and I, I, I've never I didn't like I said on the show before. I've never I've never played football and i've I've asked people who played quarterback this because I've seen so many times that a quarterback will throw directly to a defender who is standing directly in front of the receiver that he's looking to throw to, and I'm like, "How did you not see that guy standing there and it it made me wonder, do they just coach quarterbacks to just throw to a spot and not look to see where the defenders are?
1: It depends like it depends on the coaching, it depends on the quarterback. 'Cause like there's plenty of teams, especially college teams that have passing lanes. And if that lane looks open, you're throwing it to that to, to that length um to that spot. And if a defender like a good linebacker will like identify the passing lane, um mid play, will um hide the guy's his cover his coverage and then just hop into the lane as soon as you make the throw. You know? So it depends. Now the obviously then those quarterbacks are a little bit better, they'll give them um more of windows to throw to and so they'll be able to you know just they'll be able to like actually see a receiver open versus just trying to find like identify the lane that's supposed to be open you know so it all depends on the scheme it all depends on the quarterback that you have uh, how you coach that particular quarterback
0: that's that's from what I've gathered at least interesting because like there's, there's been so many picks where it's like if you were just throwing like with your friends <laughs> You wouldn't throw that ball
1: because <laughs> <laughs> you have to the
0: think directly cause, in front. Because you have to
1: think also. It's like you have this li- wall of, you know, linemen, right? That's like six five. You know, what I'm saying. And then behind that, the linebacker, linebackers can can hide. They really can hide. If if like like a good linebacker can can disguise his coverage. They can hide behind somebody. You know, it's 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 very easy to like. I mean, it it. It happens often enough that I feel like it's very easy to to do. Now, a good quarterback is not going to let that happen often, but so we so if it happens a lot, it's just it's, it's not uh, just scheming or a lack of scheme or lack of you know just It's is not nothing the linebacker is doing. It's more the quarterback just not being able to identify coverages, you know. That makes sense. What other games we what are we looking at? So, this So. <laughs> I know we kind of got caught up in that next game. This is the uh, the high noon game, Iowa at Michigan.
0: <laughs> so, so, Michigan's defense—they uh, they had something to prove after getting smoked by Wisconsin two weeks ago. They've given up a combined three points the last two weeks. <laughs> Look, they, they've been impressive. They shut out record. Records is not good. But it's difficult to shut out a team, even when you put your backups in. They beat Rutgers fifty-two to nothing. Then they beat Iowa ten to three. So I, of fact, neither team scored in over the last forty-two minutes of that Michigan-Iowa game. I have like, to disagree al- with. I have
1: to disagree with your impressions on Michigan's defense, because to me, like actually like watching them, I really wasn't impressed. Cause I because to me, it was more Iowa was just uncompelling on offense, especially. The, I don't understand in the year twenty nineteen of our Lord. How the hell you have an unathletic quarterback? Like, Iowa's quarterback is a statue. Like, it was embarrassing and disgusting how unathletic that boy is. Like, they, they would get, like, they get through the line, okay, cool. But it'd be like, okay, step into the pocket. Okay, move, move with the pocket. That type of thing. He, he couldn't do it. He just, he just let, like, as, as soon as anybody was, like, there, he just, it was just, it was, it was a sack. It was a sack. So to me, it was like, okay, cool. Michigan's doing a a pretty good job getting pressure, but it's like a more athletic quarterback uh, avoids that pressure. A more athletic quarterback is able to step up into the pocket and still deliver a throw. Because at the end of the day, Michigan does not have good defensive backs. The defensive back play consists of them dudes mugging and holding everybody until they get caught, until they get a flag is thrown. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time, a flag is not thrown. That's what their defensive backs are. Once you actually, like, attack them boys, and it, yeah, it's is 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 over with. So like any anybody who actually has like a good receiving core, or even a decent receiving core, or somebody who can throw the football, will I think will exploit that secondary.
0: Man, well, I guess that gives Michigan State hope, for, <laughs> you know, for, for positives over the rest of this season. Because if we we can just jump over to that game, Michigan State Ohio State. I knew Ohio State was gonna win that game. I had no illusions or aspersions that Michigan State was going to win that game. They had, there was no way. What I didn't see was that second quarter, where Ohio State had almost 300 yards of total offense. Yeah. In one in one quarter. Yeah. 24 points, 300 yards of offense in one quarter. It was so Ohio crazy. State only scored 10 points the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, it was like what's crazy. It's like that first quarter and. uh that um, third and fourth quarter, I thought the defense played well, very well. But as you mentioned it um, before we started recording, it's um it was the lack of depth on our defensive line, Michigan State's defensive line that really did it to them. And that and that kind of the numbers kind of say it too. You know, look in the first quarter, Michigan State's Michigan State's defense only gave up sixteen yards. That third quarter only gave up sixty two yards. But that second quarter gave up three hundred three yards. That fourth, they gave up 150 yards. So it's like you see when they start getting, start getting tired in those second, that second and fourth quarter, that's when they start struggling.
0: Right. I think the issue that Michigan State runs into, and it, it would be the same. It's the issue that most teams have when they try to upset a superior team, especially one that's as strong as Ohio State is, mm-hmm. is your first stringers can hold their own. When they're playing like, you know, good on good. But what happens is a team like Ohio State, they can put out their backups. Their backups are almost as good as their first stringers. Whereas a team like Michigan State right now. Now, had this been like between Michigan State between 2013 and 2015, when they were at their strongest under Mark D'Antonio, I think Michigan State would have been able to hold on, you know, well into the third, fourth quarter. But this team has not been recruiting well. They had a their 2016 recruiting class, which was on paper the strongest one Mark D'Antonio's ever had. Half those guys washed out for one reason or another, and those are guys that were really good, showed some serious promise. Guys that would have been starters as seniors or redshirt juniors right now, they're not there. So there's a lot of talent that should be there, and you you so you you add a bunch of like really strong defensive ends and a, a defensive tackle to what is already an extremely strong defensive line. Now you're looking at best defensive line in college football, bar none. You're looking at two safeties that there's a decent chance they'd be starting right now. So you add that into your rotation. So now you have super strong secondary, super strong defensive line and you have what probably would have been the best wide receiver in the Big Ten and Donnie Corley. So now you have somebody that can actually take the top off the defense, which they, which they are sorely lacking at wide receiver. And then you also have somebody not in that class, but Hunter Ryzen and Tristan Jackson, two guys who left because they felt that the wide receiver, and accurately from what I've read, that the wide receiver's coach was showing favoritism based off of who he liked rather than who was actually the best receiver. Like that guy was was playing Cody White because he liked Cody White, not because Cody White was actually better than those two. Uh, Cody White absolutely now, was not better than those two. No, I think I think honestly he peaked as a freshman, as a true freshman. He was pretty good that year. But I remember every time Hunter Eisenman get in the game, he was open. Yep. Like every single play he got in the game, he was wide open. And then it was weird. I was like, why isn't that guy playing more? And I remember talking to Dad about this. He was like, oh, you know, he's, he's just freshman. Da da da. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Every time, <laughs> literally every time he gets <laughs> the game, he's wide open. Yeah, Like, it's not the case for Cody White. It was never so the case for Cody you, White. Now, then, that, then, that being said, like, Jackson has butterfingers, but, you know. Yeah. But I thought, I thought Hunter Reiser had been playing more. Like, the so. thing about Cody White is, like, when he's on, he, he's
1: nice because he's a strong receiver. he break tackles and stuff. But, I mean, he'd be dropping the
0: ball. He be dropping he runs bad routes yeah, as well. He, he, he doesn't know what to do with his hands when yeah, he, when yeah. it comes to catch a football. Yeah, like he he doesn't have good like like I guess catch mechanics, you know. Which is, you know, like, which which tells me that the whoever is coaching wide receivers right now is not doing a good job. Nah, man. Like the guy that was, that was showing favoritism, they moved him to assistant, de- which very clearly shows he's not going to be there next year. He got moved to assistant defensive backs coach. Yeah, he's gone. But I'm gl- but like I. I, I then, then Antonio
1: needs to actually evaluate his coaches and replace people, not just shuffle them around. Like right now, I like the OC, I like the running backs coach.
0: I like uh, the tight ends coach too. I like the I like the, I like the He's, tight ends coach. He is good.
1: I like yeah. the tight ends coach. They got that. <laughs> they they got they got a uh, and uh, the, uh freshman dude. Gillison. Yeah, they Gilson, they, they, yeah. they got them boys looking good. So yeah, I like that. I Like the defensive coordinator. You know, but I don't know. Receivers coach, receivers coach got to go. All right. Got to go. I guess.
0: What mm-hmm. v- v- I'm looking at, it, he got to go. <clears throat> They're all on one year. Everybody on offense is on a one year contract. And, okay. the, and that assistant defensive backs coach on a one year contract as well. So all we right. shall see. It really, really, it all depends on, because one thing you and I talked about off air was that Michigan State loses a lot. From this year's team. This is a team that's supposed to get to a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, and losing to. Lo, we all knew they were going to lose to Ohio State, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's. That's where so you could have. Even before we knew how good Justin Fields was going to be, you probably could have penciled in that they're going to lose to Ohio State because Ohio State is just super talented. Yeah. But but losing to Arizona State really messes up the calculus. Yeah. Because they should be 5 and 1 right now with the only loss being to Ohio State. Because then you could drop one more. And still be in position to make a New Year's Six bowl at ten and two, whereas now you have to run the table. You still got to play Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Yeah, which they can beat all three of those teams. It's but just like difficult. they're ten. They're ten point. They're ten point underdog against Wisconsin this coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be favored against Penn State, and they're probably not going to be favored against Michigan either, unless they unless they beat Penn State and Wisconsin. So, yeah, that, that makes it tough. To to go through unscathed and finish ten and two, which is what they absolutely need to do to be able to recruit as well as they're gonna have to going forward. So it's like if you're Mark Antonio, knowing all of this, knowing that your window to be competitive with Ohio State is probably closed for the rest of your tenure at Michigan State, do you wanna go through another rebuild like you went through when you first got there back in two thousand seven? Or do you just ride off into the sunset? Hard to say, oh. yeah.
1: So, other games that happened this weekend. Let's get this let's light let brighten up the mood right quick. Auburn at <laughs> <floor>. <laughs> no first. No first, we're talking about uh, Northwestern at Nebraska. All right, um, because just briefly, because I recall myself saying that Northwestern be bringing it to teams they have no business bringing it to. And you saw the score of that Northwestern Nebraska game. It was a hot I mess. I did. It was a hot it mess. It certainly was. It <laughs> certainly was. I don't think anybody actually watched the game, but um, it, it looked like a hot mess. So did you did you catch uh Auburn at Florida?
0: Uh, talk about a hot mess. Okay, Auburn. <laughs> Auburn is not good. Like I, honestly, the the further we get from that Oregon Auburn game, the more perplexing it is that Auburn beat Oregon. Yeah, so I remember watching that game thinking Oregon should be running away with this but like self-inflicted wounds ultimately did Oregon in that get, that day and since then like whenever Auburn's played somebody with a pulse they have not looked strong I still don't think Florida's that good but I tell you what they put a whooping on Auburn they sure did yeah Bo Nix the true freshman quarterback for Auburn not very good at this point he might turn out to be good at some point in the future but right now no sir No, sir.
1: We got to talk about this whole rockets versus the country of China. What is it? The People's Republic of China? Okay. We got to talk about this because there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on.
0: Indeed. So if you're on Twitter, you may have seen something that was tweeted and then deleted by Rockets GM Daryl Morey. He tweeted something in support of Hong Kong. You may know, you should know, that there are a lot of protests right now in Hong Kong. It's been ongoing for months now. And Daryl Morey tweeted something in support of those protesters. Now, Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta, who's also the chairman of the Board of Regents of the University of Houston, go go Cougs, quickly came out and distanced the Houston Rockets organization from Daryl Morey's tweet stating that the Rockets are not a political organization and Daryl Morey's tweeting that does not represent the, the thoughts and feelings of the Houston Rockets. Now it came out today why Timmy Fertitta was so quick to tweet that out, which was that the, uh, the the country of China was suspending all activity with the Houston Rockets as a result of Daryl Morey tweeting that out. So I can understand, knowing that now, why Tillman would be so quickly and publicly effusive to be like, nah, that, we don't rock with that, bro. That's not us. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to be like, nah, but they're going to do this. Way. We cool what y'all doing to keep paying us money to do stuff with the Rockets. But uh, then you see Tillman's on Instagram liking comments, talking about how Darren Moore is an idiot and this, that, and the other thing. And you remember in the offseason that there had been reports that perhaps Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni would not be retained coming into this season. In fact, Mike D'Antoni does not have a long-term contract in place right now with the Rockets, if memory serves. So not clear what the future holds for the two of them. And then before we came on to record this, We got word that the Rockets had discussed getting rid of Daryl Morty, the architect of the current team, of this roster that looks so strong. So, yeah, not sure what Tillman Fertitta is doing. This is not the same wonderkind who started, well, he didn't start by himself, but who led Landry's Foods to such prominence. He He is the sole owner and proprietor and CEO of Landry Foods. Landry's, I believe this is the, Landry's Incorporated. There you go. Like I say, he's the chairman of the board of regents at the University of Houston. He had a he had a, a show on MSNBC. Yeah, I think it was a billion dollar buy or something like that. You wouldn't think he'd he'd be sort of uh, playing it fast and loose the way he has been with more and Mike D'Antoni, as though he thinks he can just go down the street and get somebody as good as these guys are at their jobs. So, have you are you are you kind of surprised at what we've seen with Tillman Fertitta so far, as the owner of the Rockets? Yeah, I did not
1: expect him to really be acting like a booster. You know, he's like it's like okay that 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 whole attitude, that mindset, that works when you're like a booster for like a university, for like a college football team, college basketball team, that kind of thing, does not work for a professional sports franchise. It does not like it. it, it the the it takes certain special it takes more specialization to run those things it takes more specialization and when I mean run those things I mean like in terms of coaches in terms of general management and all those things like the front office stuff it takes a lot it, it, it's like you just said it, it's hard to find hard to replace those types of people especially somebody like Daryl Morey who's honestly uh, a genius general manager i mean there's obviously people have criticized you know being too much about numbers and not focusing on the people stuff, which I feel like he's kind of focused more and more on the people stuff as time has gone on, you know, trying to definitely um kind of moved away from the type of parent that uh, James Harden and Dwight Howard was. And now you see James Harden with his best friend. So you, you kind of see him m- mixing the two, like mixing the numbers with the, you know, the, the non quantitative stuff. But yeah I mean I am surprised like he's supposed to be this super successful business person who you know built an, uh an empire uh a hospitality empire and and like I'm like is this how you run your your other organizations and I, and I guess he does because i remember i guess we don't even know because uh before we recorded this, we talked about how uh landry's for the past nine years has been uh privately held, and he's the uh sole owner. Of Landry's and the whole Landry's enterprise, so right he hasn't really had to answer the people, and I guess the time that the however many years what was it seventeen years where he did have to answer the people, I guess he didn't like it. So, you know, I don't know why you would buy a sports franchise. There's a lot of people you got to answer to, a lot of partners you got to answer to. Just for example, the uh, CB the whole CBA <laughs> Chinese Basketball Association. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know why you you came into this venture not knowing, like, all the risks, all, everything that comes with it, and then why you're moving, like, this publicly. It's one thing to be behind closed doors and talking and, you know what I'm saying, but when you out here on Instagram, that, that's some, honestly, that's, that's some, like, player-type stuff, like, in terms of, like, like ball player stuff, to, like liking, doing passive-aggressive things, like liking comments on Instagram. I don't expect the owner to be doing that. I don't expect the owner to be doing that. That's ridiculous. And I and I'm surprised. That surprises me.
0: Yeah, it's like if you don't like, I, and I, I thought it was pretty clear this summer after the Rockets were eliminated by the Warriors, if you don't like the job that Mike D'Antoni and Joe More are doing, then get rid of them. Yeah, don't sort of string them along. I'm talking about you're going to go year to year. Like there's a reason why teams in the NBA don't do year to year contracts like that. It doesn't it doesn't work? And there's I know of people. People like to come from from other industries and do an industry and try to implement things that either they do in their industry or things that they wish they could have done in their industry. Like, oh, we're going to do this thing this way. I'm like, no, there's a reason that people don't do it that way. You're not as smart as you think you are. Just because you're rich doesn't mean you're smart. Absolutely. In fact, for for most people that are rich, it has nothing to do with their their intelligence. They they just got lucky where they inherited their wealth. Now, he's not one of those people that inherited their wealth, but he's just not. I I don't know, man. He he's been he's been amazing as as in the on the board of regents for UH. He's done great things for the University of Houston. So I was originally, even though I'm not a Rockets fan, I was I was originally excited that somebody who's who's really come of age and really come into his own in the city of Houston and has been so strong for the city of Houston for so long became the owner. Mm-hmm. But it has not been great <laughs> yeah. during his ten years owner for the Rockets. It really has far like um. Yeah, I mean, my
1: whole thing about the year-to-year thing is always the risk that those people just go somewhere else. Like there's this plan And you, have, and you for, have no recourse. Exactly. For example, like the Washington Wizards, I'm sure, do they even have a, a GM yet? I have no idea. See, like, I don't think so. It, I'm sure they'd love to have Daryl Morey over there in Washington. Uh, you know, there's a, I'm sure Mike D'Antoni, I'm sure he'd probably take a year off. Uh, but I'm sure there's plenty of teams who would love to, do would definitely give um, him an interview, if not just hire him. You know what I'm saying for like a five-year deal. I don't understand. Like this is not, this is even in like college football and college basketball, you wouldn't do something like this. But it's like definitely in the NBA, these are hard. Like you can't just find coaches. Just don't grow on trees. You can't just find. You can't just pick up a coach off the street and put him into an organization and think he's going to be successful. He's the Same thing, and there's more, even more so with uh, general managers. We've seen how difficult it is to find a good general manager who can actually build up a franchise and, uh, and do some things. Like we saw with the Lakers, and the Lakers were just lucky that the Lakers' name still holds enough water to pull uh, an Anthony Davis and LeBron James. You know, we, we are not the Lakers. Now, Houston has, has its own history, but we're but we not the Lakers. We can't just right. get people to come to Houston because we don't. Just Rockets. because it's Houston, yeah, we, yeah it, we, doesn't, it, work that it way. doesn't work like that. We have to show that we have a, a good organization. We have to show that we have an owner that's going to state that step out the way and let and let his general manager do what he needs to do, let his coach do what he needs to do, and that's not what people are seeing. So, and if it goes the way I think it's going to go, which is uh, Darren Moore getting fired, which is probably Mike D'Antoni not coming back, you know, like what we're going to have is we're going to have co- a, a potential coach like a, a like a Tyron Lewis, somebody who who maybe before we could have gotten an interview with him, now he's probably going to pass on us. Like a good coach like that is going to pass on us. Now we stuck with a subpar coach. We we Maybe we could have gotten a really good general manager. Now all the good ones are going to pass on us. Now we got to settle for somebody maybe who's up and coming, who's unproven, or we got to settle for somebody who's not so good. You know, and then when the free agency comes around, it's hard to find somebody because people don't want to play for your organization. And then who's to say that Westbrook, you know what I'm saying, stay, uh, comes back? You, who, who's to say that uh, James Harden is the man of trade midseason? That's my whole thing. So it's like. You like it, it, it's a lot of moving parts. A lot of, like just because you're the owner doesn't mean you you just you just the head honcho. Like at the end of the day, it's like you own your team is only as good as your best player. So if your best player doesn't want to play for you, and nobody wants to come play for you, you end up being um, who's that dude who owns the Cleveland Cavaliers?
0: Oh, man, what is his name? Yeah, I know you're talking about that, but yeah. you know who you, I'm talking you, you, about. You, you, you turn turned to the Cavs, yeah. Exactly. It wasn't, that, it wasn't that long ago that, that the Rockets were bad. When we moved here to Houston, the Rockets were terrible. Exactly. Despite, despite having Ron Artest and Yao Ming. and mm-hmm. Trey, Of course, that's because those guys were injured all the time. Yeah. But they were <laughs> terrible when we got here. Exactly. Seeing, seeing, seeing all three of the major sports, Houston teams be, be really, really good, be great really at the same time has been incredible. Astros, Rockets, Te- well, Texans are not great. But they have a lot of talent. Yeah, they have a lot of talent. Yeah, they're good. They're, they're pretty they, they, good. They, they dominated today. Mm-hmm. But but what I see my my concern for the Rockets wouldn't be that Westbrook or Harden would leave. I think they'll they'll stay where they are. The issue is that they're both in their thirties now. Mm-hmm. If this were five years ago with the same exact circumstances, then yeah, it gives you a bit more leeway as the owner because you're gonna have those guys for another ten years, probably eight to ten years. Whereas James Harden is thirty now. And Russell Westbrook is, thirty one 30 or 31. Yeah. So they're not, just like I talked about with the Rockets, last, last year, going uh-huh. into last season, they're not getting any better than they were the year before. Going forward for both James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they're either going to stay the same or be a little bit worse every uh-huh. year going forward. They're not. It's not going to be, oh, they're... <laughs> <laughs> they scored five more points a game this year no so like you have there's there's a definite window and you would have thought with with Kevin Durant leaving and and Klay Thompson being hurt with the Torn a c o is going to be out for at least half the season you would have thought going into free agency that this might be the Rockets year they if 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 they, if ever there were a year you were going to run it back it would have been this season with everybody and Chris Paul just couldn't stay out of his own way for reasons that I talked about back on the Chicken Social. Most notably being that Chris Paul had never not been the best player on his team his entire life until joining the Rockets. And he had a really tough time adjusting to that. And then it just didn't work out he had to go. So you bring in Russell Westbrook. But the issue is that the Lakers brought in Anthony Davis. And they brought in, you know, they brought in, you know, secondary players like Danny Green. And you know what? A Dwight Howard who's ready to just just grab rebounds and keep his mouth shut. <laughs> so, it's like, so like it's so like the Lakers are arguably the best team in basketball right now. The Clippers mm-hmm. added, the Clippers added Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Now Paul They're probably George the best is, defensive team a, in the league. Yeah, they don't have Whoa. any size. I guess Wayne wing, wing wing defense, wing defenders. I mean, even then, like, really. I thought, I, Even, thought I, mean, I thought those here, 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 two I those considered two of the best ones. Here, here, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. They're great wing defenders, mm-hmm. but you can't actually stop great wing players. <laughs> like Kevin Durant <laughs> scored 13 points in like five minutes <laughs> against the Raptors That's in the one true. game that he played, and that was true. being guarded by Kawhi. Like Kawhi can't stop Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kawhi can't stop. He can He can He couldn't guard Steph. He like great players can do whatever they want. That's true. That is true. That's true. So it's like, yeah, that's great. You have great wing defenders. They can't do shit against the actual great See wing that, players. That, especially when you, good, when you get to the playoffs. That's a good topic to discuss when we get into the NBA season for sure. Yeah. But yeah, the Rockets are, uh, I don't want to say in disarray, because when you have James Harden and Russell Westbrook, you're not in disarray. <laughs> but but the future, it, it's, the it's the future is not. is definitely a situation to watch. It, it, this, is, this is a
1: situation where y'all need to resolve this thing quick and fast. Before it lingers and messes up the whole future of the whole franchise. Y'all need to resolve whatever y'all need to resolve. If you're going to fire more, you fire. Don't be out here subtweeting, sub or whatever the hell you want to call it. Okay? Be, be adults. Be professional. And handle what needs to be handled. Do what y'all need to do and move forward. Because this looks terrible. It already looked bad when when Maury was tweeting in solidarity with Hong Kong and you was jumping on saying, "Oh, that, that Rockets is not a political organization." We didn't know what was going on. It looked bad like that. Then we found out why you was doing that, and uh, and we like and I saw kind of fifty fifty on on Twitter. Some people were just like, "Okay, I understand where Maury or uh where uh Tillman Fertitta is coming from. We gotta protect the organization. Gotta protect the money." But other people was like, "Well, I see what Maury is talking about." Da da da. Okay, whatever. You kind of have a fifty-fifty split. You can kind of recover from that, whatever. But and that was fine. That was good. You 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 kind of could move on from that. But then you decide you want to go on social media and start liking neg- negative Maury comments after you just said that there was no tension between you and Maury. You you you. you mm, I ain't gonna say that word. But you gotta get your organization under control, Mr. Fatita. That's all I'm gonna say. Now let's close that with an NFL check-in.
0: So here's here's what I, so I, I do not watch NFL games, for a multitude of reasons, but <laughs> I do follow the scores and stats of certain NFL games. That's why it's Texans. NFL
1: check-in. It's not it's not a recap. It's a check-in. We we just looking.
0: So Deshaun Watson had a perfect uh, quarterback rating today. Passer rating, excuse me. QBR is different from passer rating. He had a perfect passer rating today. He had as many incompletions, five, as he did touchdowns, as the, the Texans won 53-32 to 32 over the Falcons. Just, just, just mastery of, <laughs> of, 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 the, of the offense today by Deshaun Watson. He, he was great. He was, he was splendid. Over 400 <laughs> passing yards. Man, Unreal. Unreal. Other thing that was interesting today, the so the Vikings had some interesting things happen last week. Kirk Cousins looked very Kirk Cousins, just missing receivers. He, he does not throw a great deep ball. He was missing people wide open deep. The receivers had beef with him. None of it was going great for him. Uh, <laughs> so after a week where the receivers were sort of like, yo, he's we got to be able to hit the passes downfield. And Kirk, you know, apologizing publicly for missing open receivers. He had a pretty good game of those against the Giants who have a, a bad pat uh pass defense. So I don't think that really that really tells us too much. He's still not he still has a terrible record against teams with winning records. Kirk Cousins' just not good. They're paying him way too much money. Eighty four million dollars guaranteed to be mediocre. Mm. I, I wouldn't have done it. He could have paid Case Keenum a lot less money to be better. But <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Hey, they, they they didn't ask me. They didn't ask me. <laughs> and then the other thing that happened interesting today: the Cowboys lost to the Packers again. They they just can't beat that team. Doesn't matter what happens. They can't. Like Dak passed for almost 500 yards today. He had two touchdowns, but he had three interceptions. And he, I don't know what it is. Even his rookie year, when they looked, when they were built for Tony Romo to take him. Matter of fact, they should have let Tony come back when he was healthy. And be the starter. Because that team was, Tony was a better quarterback at the time than Dak was. Well, than Dak is right now, really. Tony's probably, in terms of ability, the best quarterback the Cowboys have ever had. And I don't care who, who hears that. But that team was built for Tony Romo to take them to the Super Bowl. They had an amazing offensive line. They, they drafted Zeke Elliott, number four overall. He was running the ball very well. Had he not gotten hurt in the preseason, you're looking at a team that probably would have won 13, 14 games regular season. I think they won they won 12, so that's a team that would have won 13 or 14 games with Tony Romo as a starter as a QB. And they probably get – honestly, they probably got to, probably get to the Super Bowl that year because they lost to the, to the Packers late against against the Packers in the playoffs that year. And since then, they they just can't beat the Packers, and they lost to them again 34-24. I don't. know, man. It looks like it looks like a tough hump to get over because the Packers are not great. But hey, sometimes the team just has your number, and it looks like that's what the Packers have going against the Cowboys. And let me see. Was there anything else I thought was interesting? That's all that comes to mind. Let me look. Let me take a quick scan here.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: I didn't. I only caught part of that Packers Cowboys game
1: because I just happened to be at a bar briefly that showed
0: that game. And I was like, oh. Oh, here, here's the other thing I thought was interesting. So the Raiders were up 17 to nothing on the Bears. And they played in London, by the way. And then <laughs> the Bears came back. They were up 21 to 17. And then the Raiders scored another touchdown on one. Bears are not good. The Bears are not. Even though the three and 2 the Bears are not good. And that's they have bad quarterback play. It's just, it's just not a good situation. They um, chased Daniel in there today because their starter is hurt, but he's not good. Like honestly, every time I see the Bears play, I remember that they they took what is it? Was that, that? bum-ass quarterback they have? His name? Mitch Trubisky. Yes, they took Mitch Trubisky when they could have taken either Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes. They took Mitch Trubisky. What a huge mistake! <was> yeah <laughs> my goodness every time i every time i see mitch drop back and throw a bad pass i'm like man y'all could have had Deshaun, or i had pat mahomes
1: too that
0: being said i don't know how they would have
1: if those two quarterbacks i mean those two quarterbacks would have been good but like pat mahomes i feel like andy Reid is taking pat mahomes to like like the heights that like the, the max like the ceiling that he has. You know, like Pat Mahomes is getting better every year, but he's like reached but Pat Mahomes is go, is going to reach full potential, I feel like under Andy Reid. I'm not sure if he would have done the same thing on the Bears. Even though I think he would have been good. I think he's just I think good quarterbacks are good quarterbacks, you know, regardless.
0: Oh yeah, I I wish so badly when Andy Reid was out shopping for a team that the Texans job would have been open. Can you imagine Deshaun in 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 Andy Reid's offense as good as Pat Mahomes has been? I feel like Deshaun makes better decisions with the ball than Pat Mahomes does. That would have been disgusting. Man. Man. He's he's also a faster runner. Man. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, people be forgetting how fast that boy is. The boy's fast. So I'm not going to say he's better than Pat Mahomes because, I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous thing to say after Pat goes 50 touchdowns <laughs> is and, and is ruins MVP in his first year as a starter. But Deshaun is disgusting. And if, if he played for a coach that wasn't an idiot, <laughs> I think more, more people would be able to appreciate that fact. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, B.O.B. got to go. Yeah, he trash. He, he got to go. Although then, that. Then, then Deshaun goes and has games like this today. And and saves BoB's job for another week. So yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't That's know. the thing. Well, the thing is,
1: we we got to be able to separate the two. We have to realize when the does his thing, it's because of the Sean. It it ain't necessarily because of the coach. It's because of the All right? right. I'm not sure when ownership, you
0: know, will realize that. Is it, it, Texans have a general manager, right? They have like a general manager by committee. So uh, in a way. In a way, BOB almost acts like his own GM. That's what, that's a big reason why yeah. Deshaun, uh, De- Le- Jadavion Clowney is not there anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember we discussed this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he got to go. Mm hmm.
1: Are you at a point with Mike D'Antoni where it's like, excuse me, put up a shut up? As great as you are, you've never been to an NBA finals as a coach? Are you there? Mike D'Antoni is a great coach and he fits our team, okay? And I really, let's not talk situational.
0: This has been another episode of Run the Play with yours truly, <laughs> uh, OJ. Anyway, <laughs> you, you, you can follow us on Twitter at the CSPOD. That's T-H-E-C-S-P-O-D. You can also, well, I'll tell you all about the other Twitter account when it's ready. Uh, you can, uh, Chai, where can people find you at?
1: Cha is Nuclear on Twitter and Instagram. You can also uh, check out my website, check out my work there. You know, I make music, I produce this podcast, and so you know, I, I do a lot of things with audio and sound. But if you want to check out my music, a lot, everybody who I've talked to, who's listened to the album, has really enjoyed it. So go check it out. It's called Mind of a Recluse. It's uh, free to stream exclusively on NuclearKite.com. You also can download it from there. There's a download link if you uh, so wish to do so. And I don't know, I, that, that sounded weird. That phrase sounded weird. And also, check out my man Chasing Z's on the same website. Uh, His album, Channel 20, has been out. Uh, You can check it out. His new album is going to come out next month. So some stuff coming on. A
0: lot of things coming your way. A lot of things coming your way. Bad. So for Chad, this is Obes. This has been Run The Play, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.